I'm Brandon Amoroso, and this is the D2Z Podcast, building and growing your business from a Gen Z perspective. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to D2Z, a podcast about using the Gen Z mindset to grow your business. I'm Gen Z entrepreneur Brandon Amoroso, founder and president of Retention as a Service Agency, Electric. And today I'm talking with Yash, the founder of D2C Influencer Marketing Management Platform, Sarah. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Super excited to have you here. Yep. Thanks, Brandon. Excited to chat. So before we jump into uh, some of the core topics that I that I want to cover today, can you just give a quick background on on yourself um, and what you do for everybody that's listening? Sure. Well, all right. Hi, everyone. I'm Yash. Uh, I'm from Mumbai, India. I'm tuning in from here. And yeah, I run Saral. It's basically an influencer relationship management platform. So what you can do using our tool, you can find influencers, you can reach out to them, manage your long-term relationships, stuff like that. And a bit of a background. So before Saral, I was, I've always been a marketer, worked in sales and marketing all my life, um, started a kind of a boutique marketing agency of my own. While we were doing that, we did some influencer marketing for clients. And then we found out these problems in this space. And then I pivoted into turning that into like a software business. So yeah, that's like a quick intro. Awesome. And when it comes to uh, the types of brands that you're typically working with, is it a little bit all over the board or is there specific industries that, that you find yourself in? Um, it's, it's not so much specific industries, but it's a specific stage of the company. We mostly work with like the early to emerging kind of stage of business, not so much the bigger brands that are more established. So yeah, but industry pretty fairly industry agnostic, even platform agnostic. We don't really um, silo into just Shopify or just WooCommerce, for example. It's a standalone tool; anyone can use it. But yeah, mostly I'm finding that the early stage brands are attracted to us. So yeah, got it. And is your platform more focused on like micro influencers or? Um, general influencer sourcing? Yeah, it's it's more general than that. So we take pride in that we don't have a fixed database. So what we do is, so there are other tools in the space that they have certain databases in certain industries, like they have a fashion database or they have a micro-influencer database, stuff like that. We don't do that. So as long as our database is Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. So as long as you can find someone using your, a keyword search or a hashtag search on these platforms, we can find that info for you. You can save them to Saral and start reaching out to them. So, yeah. Got it. Awesome. Yep. yep. So having all this experience that you do within influencer marketing, what are some of the pitfalls and issues that you've seen brands come up uh, against? And what are some of the ways that they've been able to, to mitigate those? Sure. So I think there are many small things, but generally speaking if you fix this one thing that i'll tell you next it generally fixes everything else it's a, it's having a focus on relationships and not doing transactions with uh, creators so this is something that you should do what brands do and the mistake that they make is that they focus a lot on just like building transactional relationships paying them for posts just like setting up the relationship from the first touch as if it's like a hey we'll pay you to post you post about us and then it's bye bye from there um, doing that usually tends to fail, especially now that used to work, like maybe in 2017, 2018, when the space was relatively newer, um, people still had more trust in creators because the whole influencer marketing thing was new. But yeah, now 
audiences kind of look through that, they can see if it's an inauthentic promotion, they can see if they're the influencers just doing it for money. Um, and a lot of brands are still stuck in, in that old model of doing paper post versus what works now is actually building, is focusing on the relationship. So you don't actually need like thousands of creators promoting you. You maybe need like hundred true fans promoting you. And that really works well. So if you just reframe that mindset from doing transactions to doing relationships, that ends up fixing a lot of problems. So yeah, that's that's one of the main pitfalls that I've I've come across. Yeah, I think it's really a, a quality over over quantity thing. Um, exactly. Yeah. Which- also, yeah. Also, slightly, I'll add a little bit more to the quality versus quantity thing. Um, it's also more of a popularity versus influence contest. So a lot of brands like to, they like to think that, okay, I'll just get like five influencers with a million followers each to promote us. And then we're all set, right? We're all, we're all building million dollar brands, but that's usually not how it goes. If you truly want, you want to focus on influence and not on popularity, right? So someone may be popular, but they might, they might not have the right influence or they, you just might not have the budget to work with them. So you should instead, what works best is to build like an army of, like you said, micro or nano influencers, even like creators with like 10K, 15K followers. If you build like an army of hundred of them, that's effectively more powerful than working with someone with working with one person who has that audience. So yeah, that's, that's another like pitfall or something to be aware of. How much do you see brands finding influencers within their own customer base and then bringing them over to your platform and using the platform to track like their performance, but they're really sourcing them out of their own, their own customer base. Yeah, that's interestingly, that's one of the first steps that we recommend brands make before they even go cold prospecting or reaching out on uh, Instagram DMs or anything like that. We just ask them to post an Instagram story, send it to their email list saying, hey, we're creating this ambassador program or coming up with this new affiliate offer for you. If you're interested, if you have like a following more than like 2,000, 3,000 people, just apply on this, let's say a Google form, right? So yeah, that's one of the first steps. And that's working increasingly nowadays with more and more people becoming creators. Um, that's really that's really doing good. And also another thing that... Um, works with that is just like helps you get started so easily because it's as simple as like posting a story versus if you were to like cold find creators and reach out to them it's a little bit more high friction so yeah that's yeah you need it on the head that's one of the easiest way to get like 10 or 15 people to shout you out so yeah yeah i mean they're already sold on your brand obviously yep. they, already, they already have the product so yep. i feel like it, it definitely owns itself um better to to that yeah, there- even 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 with influencers, we recommend brands to like get the buy-in first before you like you know even like discuss any commercials with them. So you might want to like give them massive discounts or like sell it at just cogs to them, or you can also go the gifting or the seeding route where you're just sending them free products and seeing what they think. And if they like your product, only then work with them. If they don't, that's fine. You don't you anyway don't want to work with them work with someone who is not a true advocate of your product. So yeah, even if you go the cold route, focus on making them a customer of yours first before you even discuss the influencer marketing side of things. Right. That makes sense. It it really comes down to just like you're nurturing your customer relationships in similar ways. You also have to nurture those, those influencer relationships. Exactly. 
yeah you can't you can't rush it or or it ends up failing and you end up doing the transactional model and falling into the pit so yeah yeah i mean there definitely is still some something to be said for a volume play but it's how do you mm-hmm. how do you get to scale while still also maintaining like authenticity in uh, the relationships that that you have i think is is a challenge for brands especially those who have success early on with their mm-hmm. micro influencers, but then they like want to take the next step. They want to continue to grow. And how mm-hmm. do they, what got them there in the first place without, without sacrificing as they try yeah. to say. Authenticity. Yeah. I think, I think anyone can be authentic just because like a creator has 5 million followers does not make them any less authentic than someone with like 50,000 followers, but it's mm-hmm. just about getting in touch with the, with the bigger creator and giving them because there's so much noise in that creator's world versus someone with like 20,000 followers, they might not get as many brands reaching out to them. It's just difficult to stand out in that world. So yeah, once you build your base of creators in a particular industry, usually like they all follow each other's some of these, what I call whale creators, they follow the the micro influencers just to, you know, be be in touch with the space. So yeah, if they've seen your brand, they're also more likely to respond to you. So it only makes sense to build it from the ground up and then then reach out to the bigger ones so yeah and then it it's the same thing so once they once you have their attention once they're like in your in you once you're in their dms or in their inbox then it's the same playbook then say okay we'll send you free product see if you like it if you like it then we'll work together if not that's completely okay we, we don't have to work together right so if, if you get that buy-in first if you make them advocates of your product first then even at scale it should uh, like it should work there's no problem with that yeah, and that authenticity shows through for sure. I think you see similar things with all these uh, celebrities now have uh, brands that they've launched. And I think the yeah. ones that have been the most successful are the ones where, A, the celebrity actually gives a shit about the product, which yep. you would be table stakes, but is obviously <laughs> not always the case. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then B, you know, there's some sort of uh, a background or, or anecdotal story around how this was relevant. Um You've seen a lot of like, let's say alcohol brands and uh, like, what's the, what's the other one that's very popular, but it feels like every celebrity has an alcohol brand now. And for some, it makes sense for others. It doesn't. And, mm-hmm. and you have more of that, uh, like one or two people do it and then the crowd starts to follow, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best fit for everyone either. Same thing mm-hmm. applies to influencer as well. And, and working with, working with particular brands. Um, yeah. so I think like, when we're working with a company on other influencer marketing, it's really important to establish, I think, what type of content you're looking for, what type of creators you're looking for, and then also what your what your end goal is with any of these campaigns that you're going to be running so that you're not just sort of doing influencer marketing for the sake of doing yeah. it without having a, a real yeah. objective. Yeah, you like, yeah, we, one of the first steps again is to just like be clear on what your goal is. Do you want more sales? Do you just want to do it as an awareness play? Do you just want to do it to promote a new product that you're launching? So there's different kinds of campaigns you can run. Influencer marketing is such a broad sp- sco- uh, stroke. There's so many things that you can do inside. So you have to be clear on what your strategy is and how what your offer is to the to to for creators. And only then can you really start. But yeah, I think it, it doesn't take that long. It's like probably like a few days of planning just to get clarity around what the goals are and then you can you can get started. So yeah. So I want to hop over to the 
um, aspect of you sort of building and, and growing a team, but also like a, a software product from, from the ground up. But before we jump into that, are there any like influencer marketing trends that you see coming at the tail end of this year uh, into next year? Yeah, I think we, we touched on one of those and I'll get to that. But one of the biggest trends that I'm seeing is more is like a holistic approach, like a broader approach to influencers. So far, what it had been in the industry was just like getting that post, getting that video, making them talk about you, and then tracking how many people from that post came and purchased on your site, right? That was like the kind of linear model of influencer marketing. But now what's starting to happen is brands are looking at it more holistically. They're looking at the influencer less of it as less of an influencer but more of a creator because the creative is now at the core of it so then what they do is they take the creative they run it on their facebook ads they run it on their tiktok ads they add it on their website as social proof and they do more deeper integrations with creators so instead of just doing like a post they'll do a live session with them like an expert session or they'll invite them over to the factory for a tour or something like that so it's taking this more nice holistic approach um which i love so that that's always good it's also called i think it's some fancy names for it. it's ugc igc influencer generated content and stuff like that so that's that's a trend that i see coming a lot of brands are reusing the, these creatives to pump into facebook ads and tiktok ads to feed that algorithm and really make it click because creators know how to make co good content that hits and then once you feed that into these algorithms that pump it to the masses it just works um Another trend that I think we touched upon a little bit five minutes ago was the creator starting their own thing, but you can do a version of that. So if you're a DTC founder listening to this, what you can do is give creators equity in your company. So what I'm also seeing some, it's not as popular, so I, I'm not sure if it'll be like just around next year where it's coming, um, is that just like you have employee stock options, ESOPs, you also have creator stock options, CSOPs. So you're like reserving like say five or 10% of the company to give away to creators so that they're intrinsically motivated to promote you. So the creator doesn't really even have to like start their own brand. If they are, let's say like a, I don't know, like a coffee content creator, right? And you have a coffee brand and they like your missions align and you can just give them like, I don't know, 2% of the company or even make them invest, whatever. Um, and then take it from there. Because at that point, you don't even have to pay them to post. You don't even have to give them affiliate commissions. They'll just promote it because they, they have actual true skin in the game. Right. right. So, yeah. No, that's, that's actually very interesting. I think um, there's definitely a way to do that where like the equity vests over a certain period of time. Yeah. And there's certain like deliverables that have to be hit or met in order for yep. certain like cliffs to to come. So I think that's, that's really interesting because we are actually working with a, a company who has sort of curated say about three to four uh, TikTok influencers, mm -hmm. but they are, I, I don't know what, how, what the best way to phrase it is, but as opposed to being like celebrities who now have social media followings, they are celebrities because of social media. And so they're really like native creators and influencers and their audiences on these platforms are hyper relevant and extremely engaged. And I think that the brands that we launched with them are going to be far more successful than your standard, like yeah. celebrity launching a brand. Let's, let's post on Instagram because 
all these creators, they have backstories to what the product line is that they're going to be coming out with. They already have this massive audience who's super engaged with the content they're creating. I mean, obvious ones are people who do like beauty tips on, on TikTok. They're yep. promoting other brands' products. Why not just promote your own? There's yep. a bunch of ways that this creator economy is going to shift more and more to yeah. the creators being the brand versus them being the ones driving business to the brands. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a, it's an interesting time coming, coming ahead. Cause we've, I think we've been over the basics. We've done the, we've seen pay, paper posts. We've seen the, seen the basic order and now it's time to really get creative. And even for the creators, like they can get creative or they can partner up with like a DTC operator who say built a successful brand before. I'm sure like um, Jake Paul and KSI are not actually running the day-to-day -day of prime, right? They, they have like some probably super slick operators who are running it so yeah they can partner with them so lots of lots of interesting stuff coming yeah so how long ago did you start uh your company so well, um it's been about it was late last year so fairly recent eight months okay we're, uh, we're new in the market we just like went live um, so the beta was live for a couple of months, but we like went live, live, actual live, maybe three weeks ago at this point. So fairly, pretty, pretty nascent, uh, early stages of the software company, but yeah. Got it. And what was that process like in terms of building the MVP and actually getting a, a product to market? Sure. So, um, interesting question. So I actually got, I'm a marketer. I'm not a tech guy. So I actually got like five people to pay for it before I even hired a developer or we wrote a single line of code. So I wanted to validate the, the idea before it even existed in terms of code. So I think a lot of people kind of is like a product looking for a market. But what I did was I reverse engineered that. I just showed my idea. I created some mockups in Figma for it and then showed it to some people, founders in the DTC space. Five people said, yes, they swiped their card and they paid for it. And then that's how, that's when I started building. So yeah, I think we started building somewhere around February of this year. We okay. built, took maybe around four months to build it. I started working with, for those of you who want to build SaaS, I started working with an agency to build it. And then that's just kind of bought me time to build an in-house team. Ideally, you want to have an in-house team. If you're doing something long-term, you don't want to rely on like an external party. So yeah, and then did that and transitioned over and it's been it's been good since then. So yeah. How have you gone about building your your team thus far? Yeah, mostly I like to, with devs, it's always good to have like a senior. So unless you're you're like a technical person yourself, it's always good to have like a senior and a CTO or a fractional CTO kind of a person on the team who's guide, guiding stuff like the infrastructure decisions and what, what tech stack to use and how do we even like architect it and stuff like that. And then the actual coding work can be done by relatively newer people. So I like to work with like recent graduates, like one or two years in the market, but like our super, I like to hire for hunger, right? So if they're, if they know stuff, it doesn't, don't know stuff, it doesn't matter. But if they're like excited about it, they've built like side projects in this space before. That's how I look. So my hiring had been, has been like fairly ad hoc. I did not have a system because I'm not a, like a big company. I just like hired people who were doing interesting stuff. And I was like, Hey, you know, do you want to build this product with me? And they, some of them said yes. So yeah, but yeah, always have like a, I think one of the mistakes that I made that I can share is I did not have like a tech leader um, in the, on the team or in the company, at least as, as an advisor. 
Um, it really helps because then if you make the wrong kind of fundamental infrastructure level decisions early on, then it'll pile on as technical debt later on, which you'll have to, which is just difficult to solve at, at later stages. So yeah, but I was quick to fix it. And then I worked with like this old colleague of mine who um, who was like a CTO at another company. So he helped me out. So yeah, that worked out well. Yeah, the uh, technical debt is something that I've heard over and over again. And actually like yeah. a, I was talking to some of our Shopify app partners um, who maybe started two, three, like max four years ago. And they were talking about how they basically had to rebuild their entire product after they raised their uh, series A I mean, yeah. or, or even their seed because, um, and even though they had like active merchants on the existing one. And yep. so it was a complete nightmare trying to fix things while keeping it up, but then also like handling the migration from the old platform to the new platform. Um, yeah. So we yeah, actually- Yeah, it's a headache later on, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's crucial to probably go- slower and yep. make sure that you're doing everything dotting all of your i's crossing your t's and then um, have that foundation that you can build off of and maybe yeah. longer but yeah i mean like you said i i don't have any i don't have enough technical background to be able to make sure that we're we're moving in the right direction so mm. crucial to make sure to have somebody on your team who, who knows what's going on Yep, yep. delicate balance really with the with the with going fast because it's in the startup it's move fast and break things but it's also like if you move fast then you will break some serious things right so you want to make sure not to break anything critical but yeah yeah it's a it's a thin line to toe as you're yep. as you're not out yep so what are some of the key areas of of, of growth for you heading into q4 and, and next year um mostly been like stuff like this so like doing podcasts and partnerships with uh, communities and stuff like that's pretty ad hoc so far again like just figuring things out taking it as i go um like i have a i mean it's not really a personal brand but i have about 4.5k followers on linkedin so that tends to work i put out content there every single day so that's working we also have a very good content program on the website it's called academy so it's basically the best place on the planet to learn influencer marketing for free. So any brand can go there and they can learn anything from the basics to like how to find creators, how to reach out to them, what kind of an offer to create to maybe some of you in the more advanced stuff, like what, like what are the FTC guidelines around this stuff and, and things like that. So yeah, that, that, that content kind of helps. We start fairly early with the content, even like right as we were building the tool. So that's now started to get in some more traffic to the site and that drives some signups. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the content is obviously like a longer term play, but um, yep. the way I looked at it is you can use all that content in your sales process with people who do come to you first. So like, yep. it's just more um, social proof that you know what you're talking about and that you're invested in this space and when you're in the ad active sales process, people are going to Google your name. They're going to Google your company's name. And if nothing shows up, they're going to be like, what the hell is this? Um, and then eventually people will find you organically through it. Like I, like our, our YouTube, for example, is a uh, very targeted. So mm -hmm. it's not like it has a hundred thousand followers, but the people who do comment and engage and the people who do reach out from there are highly relevant mm -hmm. versus mm -hmm. creating, trying to create content for the masses. Like, I feel like that only works if you are 
a, a giant mass market brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, yeah. Can, you can do that. So yeah, same same concept. Right? You just need those like the thousand true true fans concept. Just comes in right. You you want to speak to the right. You might not have the biggest audience, but you want to speak to the right people. You want to say the right things. And even if like like a hundred people watch watch you, but like those hundred people are exactly the kind of people that you want to target. That's a win. So yeah. So thank you so much for, for joining us here. Is there any like last things you want to cover, like tips or tricks, whether it's with influencer marketing, building and scaling your team um, before we hop? Um, yeah, I guess one final nugget there and leave people with is just setting the right systems. I think another like kind of, I won't call it a pitfall, but something that people just don't stick to. If you like, if you want to grow muscles at the gym, you have to go to the gym like say three days a week, right? On a regular basis for it to actually give you results. But if you don't do that, then you can't expect to grow. So it, it doesn't make sense to, it also makes sense to apply that to your influencer marketing and just set like a weekly cadence that you're comfortable doing. Don't try to over pressurize yourself, but like, Hey, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to find 50 creators today. I'm going to reach out to 50 of them tomorrow. I'm going to follow up with 25 of the creators that I reached out to last week. I'm going to send five new packages this week. So if you have those targets and you hit those like actions every single day, I think there's like, it's just a matter of time that you succeed with your influencer marketing. So yeah, set, set the right systems and you'd be good to go. Yeah. I think that is broadly applicable to this business in general. Yeah, yeah. Setting, yeah. setting goals that you have control over. Um, yep. And there's, there's a certain term for it, which I, it's escaping me now, but um, as opposed to having the goal be, we're going to sign five influencers. The goal is we're going to reach out to who are yeah. targeted. And then from there, it'll funnel down into sort of, we, you can control it a little bit, but not really. And then you can continue to iterate off of that and see like, oh, well, you know, we actually only got three out of this 50. Maybe we need to do 60 to reach the end goal of, of five. Exactly. If you get yeah. caught up on like the end result then, and you're not invested in the process, you're yeah. going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before we hop off, where can folks uh, find you online? Yeah, you can just, uh, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So just search for my name, Yash Chavan, and you will find me. If you're interested in the product, you can go to getsaral.com to, to check that out. And we've also got a great content library on there. So even if you don't want the tool, you just want to learn more about influencer marketing. You can go to the website, click on the Academy and start reading that stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, as always, uh, this is Brandon Amoroso. You can find me at brandonamoroso.com or electricmarketing.com. Uh, thank you everyone for listening and we'll see you next time.